Why the cross? Next to the name of Jesus, nothing is more associated with our faith and with Christians than the cross. You know, it's the most popular form of jewelry, even outselling wedding rings, wedding bands. Uh, you've noticed this, I'm sure, baseball player gets up you know, into the batter's box and makes the sign of the cross. Even um, you know, in churches, elders who pray over those that are sick will anoint them with oil and make the sign of the cross on the forehead. Cities and towns pretty much all over the world, with the exception maybe of China and the Islamic world, you're going to see a church, and on top of that church is a steeple, and on top of that steeple is a cross emblazoned for the world to see. But why the cross? Why? To the world of the first and second century, the cross was viewed as the sign of a loser, an absolute loser. It was ridiculous to assign some type of religious moniker to the cross. See, the Romans themselves had perfected the cross as this perfect means of execution, pain, and punishment. They wanted to terrorize people into submission by using the cross. In Jerusalem, 4 B.C., 2,000 people were crucified almost as far as the eye could see along the road just so that the Romans could show their power and squash a rebellion. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. According to the Jews in the Old Testament, anyone who died on a tree was considered cursed by God. Anyone who died on a cross was cursed, cursed by God. How could a Savior, the Savior of the world, be a curse? doesn't make any sense. It's folly, absolute foolishness. There's a second century piece of graffiti that was discovered in Rome. This is how the world saw the cross. There's a man on a cross with his arms outstretched, the head of a donkey. And then kneeling down beside this figure is a man with his arm outstretched in worship. And it says, Alex Menas, worshiping his God. Graffiti was a joke. So why the cross? In the world of the New Testament, it's viewed as a symbol of failure, derision, stupidity. So why do we sing songs about the cross? Why do we worship in our hearts at the foot of the cross? Why do we celebrate and spend time together on Good Friday when it's all about the cross? One word, one word, Jesus. You see, Jesus is all about the cross. The cross is all about the Jesus. The manger is wonderful, but it's not the cross. The miracles are great, but they're not the cross. For Jesus, his whole life on planet Earth was about the cross. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, scribes, be killed, 
three days later, rise again. The amazing thing is that he began to teach this. This was all his ministry. This is what he wanted the disciples to see. This must happen. Jesus wasn't walking around with some kind of martyr's complex and said, guys, you know what? If things don't get any better, I think they're going to kill me. That's not what he said. He taught. The gospels are just rife with teaching after teaching after teaching where Jesus focused on his death saying this must happen. Even in the garden, on the night that he was betrayed, he told Peter and the rest, put your swords away. He said, don't you think that I could just have the Father call down 12 legions of angels who could rescue me like that? you got to stop because this must happen so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. So why the cross? Why did Jesus say that the cross must happen? Why did he say that the scriptures must be fulfilled? Why? Was it the only plan of God? Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep before its shears, silent. And he didn't open his mouth. So why the cross? Why was the cross God's plan? What happened at the cross? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Things we could never do for ourselves. Wonders that all of the blood sacrifices in the temple, all added together, still couldn't accomplish. The wrath of God, where the Bible calls propitiation, was satisfied. See, God is just. And as a just God, he's got to deal with sin. No sin can ever enter into his presence. It cannot be there. It has to be rooted out. It can't be part of who he is anywhere near him. And as Pastor Steve shared, we got a problem. You see, sin is resident within us. It is part of us by our very nature. It's in our bones. It's, it's in our DNA. We're hopelessly incapable of doing anything about it. At best, the Old Testament sacrifices simply covered it, but couldn't erase it. Wrath and judgment are real. And it is coming against sin. And we are more than just in the way. Our very essence as human beings is unholy, and offensive to God. Even the best of the best of the best that we could ever do is viewed by God as Pastor Steve shared from the scriptures, polluted, polluted rags. But you see at the cross, God showed this marvelous, wonderful love. He was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah said. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace came to us. God said, I will satisfy my wrath. I will deal with the sin myself. You can't, you never could, and you never will. I will make the sacrifice on the cross of my son. It's the only way to erase this wrath. I will show you that I am just. I will deal with sin. But I'm also going to show you my love. Because I'm going to pour out my wrath on my son on the cross. Romans 5, 8, but God shows us his love for us 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why the cross? We needed to be redeemed. We had to be ransomed. You see, our sorry state of sin also required a rescue operation. That's why the cross. Our sin also carries a document of ownership, as it were. Satan, the prince of darkness, had his right of ownership stamped on us, forcing us to live as slaves to sin. We're kidnapped, as it were, and we couldn't be set free without a ransom that had to be paid. That ransom was paid at the cross. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The cross justified us, declared us guiltless, free forever and ever. No guilt, no shame, no fear, only forgiveness by God's gift of grace. You see, God doesn't see our sin anymore. You know what he sees? He sees the cross. It's like a pair of lenses and he looks at us through the lens of the cross, through the lens of his son, Christ. Forgiven forever. All sin, past, present, future, gone. No guilt, no shame. Colossians 2, you who are dead in your trespass and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. Set it aside, nailing it to the cross. And last, the cross, why? Because he reconciled us. He now says we can be his friends. How could a holy God ever communicate with an unholy people through priests don't think so through prophets what if they're wrong because of sin god could never communicate to us face to face and the cross made it possible for enemies to become friends to be reconciled See, you and I can talk and we can laugh and we can pray and we can enjoy and we can worship and we can commune with God anywhere, everywhere, all the time because of the cross, because of the cross made deep fellowship with God possible. Romans 5.10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we're reconciled will be saved by his life. Could you imagine standing before a holy God who sees deep into your soul and because of the sin that is ingrained in your very being has no alternative but to cast you out of his holy presence into an eternal hell? Can you imagine being forever unable to change, unable to love, unable to even think something good and something pure in your mind? Doomed to repeat sin again and again with no hope of escape? Can you imagine living forever in fear, wondering if God was finally going to catch up with you and pay you back for all that you've done against him? Can you imagine being face to face alone with God, knowing that you are his enemy And knowing that because of sin, there's no way that you could ever be reconciled. Hey, good news. Not just 
Good Friday, but Great Friday. You can stop imagining. You can stop worrying. We can start rejoicing. We can start praising him because all of this has forever changed at the cross. It all comes together at the cross. Perfect justice for sin. Perfect love for us. Perfect grace to live a free life. Perfect fellowship now and forever with God himself. The cross. The cross. The cross.